Hi, and welcome to Fresh Media Presents Podcast, Quarantine Vibes, Episode 3. Yeah, as always, you're joined by myself, Christian, and Paris. We are the hosts of the podcast. Now, what Quarantine Vibes is, is basically we'll be talking to multiple guests about how they're spending their lockdown and what things they've been getting up to, you know, during this pandemic, um, if they've got any projects planned once we come out of lockdown. So the guest we're joined with today is Matthew Scott. So thank you so much for joining my podcast. Hey, how you guys, doing? Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank no worries. you good, for thank coming you. on. So, Tell the people and just tell them a bit about what you do and stuff like that. Okay, so yeah, I'm a freelance filmmaker. I specialize in cinematography. So, you know, when I'm doing film work, that's the majority of my role. And then as well, I'm sure, is pretty much everyone listening to this knows, I get by by doing some corporate stuff on the side. So a lot of fun interviews and stuff like that. So did you study cinematography at uni or did you just kind of just get into it? Uh, yeah, so no, I studied archaeology at cinemato- at university. And then after I came out, I started doing some kind of corporate film stuff to make money. And I started doing that my last year at uni, borrowing the school's equipment and stuff. And then oh, for see. cinematography, I trained under other DPs as an right. AC and helping out with the lighting. I see. So-, so with the corporate stuff, how did you kind of get about? How did you start doing that? Did you kind of reach out to corporations and stuff? Oh, well, so it's actually funny. So I started doing it um, through my uni's um, careers department. I was like, oh, you know, nice. I want to, I don't want to do archaeology. I want to get into like media stuff. And they were like, oh, there's mm-hmm. this place that we partner with. There's one to potentially do some videos. And then I got in touch with them. I did my first lot of videos with them. And then I got quite lucky. Someone else I was working with just helping them out for free. Um, at their uni, they got a job with um, the Royal Navy Royal Marines charity which was oh, like nice. my first big paid project. Like I think my first time earning over a grand through film oh, wow. work, which mm. I was like, oh, wow, nice. I can actually make money doing this as a job. How long was that project for? How long was that? Um, it's quite a six. It wasn't like direct, you know, it probably spanned over like two or three months shooting and then a lot of editing, but that was quite sporadic days. So essentially they originally I had someone so to shoot it. So where did the passion of cinematography come from then? Oh, so yeah, I've always kind of been into, you know, photos and taking pictures from a young age, like ever since I went on holiday and got, you know, like a one use disposable camera. And then kind of as Mm -hmm. that passion matured, you kind of realize that cinema is the real way to kind of, well, make money from making images. And you generally have the biggest scope and kind of creative storytelling potential in that. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. Um, So, you know, when you when you first, you know, held your camera when you first started taking pictures um was you was you mainly self-taught did you kind of like go based on like just experience just keep practicing practicing or did you like read some formula book to help you gain more Um, knowledge so yeah with photographs it's kind of obviously when you're growing up as a kid you're kind of just like i'm gonna take pictures of sand and then do it (laughs) yes but then when i kind of got more into cinematography and film like where you kind of start with the people that you kind of now at this point you think kind of crap like you know the peter mckinnon's and you yeah, those kind of YouTube photographers things that teach you like the real basic mm. stuff, like, you know, this is what an F-stop is and stuff. And then yeah. from there, it's kind of through working and like now, especially during the lockdown, one of the things I've been doing is reading a lot of books about cinematography, as well as there's loads of great material online, like Shane Herbert's got all of his stuff yeah. for free at the minute. Mm. Yeah, I see. Yeah, right now, I mean, right now is the best time to study, especially, you know, during this whole lockdown, because we can't really go out and film Definitely. and do anything creative because... So right now is the best time to kind of like gain some more knowledge, read some more books and definitely, I think Paris, you ordered a, a book on directing, didn't it? I did, yeah. So um, 
I remember our last project, I left our last project feeling like I still obviously had a lot to learn. And I did say to myself, I'd read mm. two different books. So I've ordered, it's called Shop by Shop. So I got it from Amazon mm-hmm. and it should be coming soon. I've heard good things about it. And I just think, you know, this is the time because a lot of the time we say we don't have enough time to read or now we have time. So I'm just going to utilize this time and just obviously or you even do like learn projects. mainly on set. Say it again. Mm. Even like, prime, uh, like planning your projects, like pre-production, anything script writing Definitely. or if you're like a writer or, you know, anything really, this is time to like tie up projects. Um, I agree. But you, um, Matt, I just want to ask a question. So you, given this whole lockdown situation, do you feel like the filming industry will be changed, like different from now on going forward? Or do you reckon things will just kind of go back to normal? Everyone can start eventually at some point, make films again, I, especially independently. Yeah, I think with independent films, I think it will. I don't think it will have a massive effect. There might be mm. slight into the short term. I think one thing that the projects I'm working on are planning for is there's going to be at the end of the lockdown, once things start again, it's going to be very hard mm. to get rentals of good equipment mm. because like, say, yeah. you know, yeah. So with shows like Peaky Blinders, you know, their production has been shut down mm. and obviously like they use three to four Aries on their production, yeah. you know, with all cook lenses. So obviously as we come out of this and all these things kind of start production once again, it's going to be yeah. that there's going to be a lot less equipment for the rest of us. So yeah. what do you think? Yeah. What do you think the first thing you're going to do once lockdown ends? Ooh, that's a nice one, isn't it? I don't know. Um, well, like work-wise, I have a couple yeah, of projects work-wise. lined up. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we have one film called Rent Away that we've been planning to shoot. It's like a quite an easy two-day production, kind of yeah. straight after it. As soon as we're kind of allowed onto location, everyone's comfortable. As well mm, as right. another film? film working on. Yeah, it's about a five minute little dark comedy. So it's just quite a okay. nice thing for working with a first time director. So mm. yeah, it should be quite a nice fun one. We're hoping to have a very like chilled pace of production. Yeah. Just really quite enjoy it and get yeah, back to it. Yeah, that definitely sounds interesting. So you with the whole, because you know, it's going to be, mm. everyone's going to be kind of like being cautious as well with like, especially when we come out of lockdown and, you know, I mean, the government might announce that we might start mm. easing the lockdown depending on how things go. So like even going back on set, mm-hmm. filming, you know, it's people are going to still be cautious about getting close to each other. And like, it's, it's to get your actors to kind of like be next to each other. And, you know, because, you know, we're all talking like social distancing, social distancing. So for us, mm-hmm. kind of like, it's going to be quite hard to, you know, to break that mold and just be like, okay, let's get close together now. Because with acting, especially on film set, especially if you're acting, you kind of need to be close together. You can't, <laughs> it's really hard to do a film where you're all far apart, two metres apart from each other. So that's, yeah, that's I the reckon, bit I worry about. Mm, but I think, like, as long as everyone, like, you trust everyone on set, I think this thing of, if you have that, like, one person that you know, turns up on the first day and has been, like, you know, starts telling stories about them going out during lockdown and stuff, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, don't want to get near that guy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. they're probably going to spread it and stuff. But, like, I think as long as everyone's safe, you know, Definitely. and, like, obviously, like, say, camera camera side like you know it's three or four people very close together all touching the same stuff exactly so i think it'll yeah. be a thing of trust unless they start doing things like testing of, of, on on site making sure like everyone's all right tested beforehand mm. everyone's negative and then like we all know that okay this person everyone's all negative here then we're all cool yeah that, that might be an option i think that's how probably the big corporations with their like filming industry they probably get everyone tested before and make sure everyone's all right and then yeah back. i think on well, like, independent large filmmakers scale. Well, no, well, the big industry, film entertainment as well, but independent filmmakers, maybe we're going to have to start doing 
stuff like well we everyone get their self-tested individually to make sure everyone's all right just just so you know you're all right and then yeah then you and then if you know that everyone else is negative and everyone you know then i suppose yeah, I, think you feel a bit hard, more I think it'll be harder it'll be harder for um obviously independent filmmakers but obviously i think big corporations like bbc itv and all them they're mm. most likely going to test all their employees yeah yeah i think, I think the big thing will be yeah, masks going mm. forward like i think people wear them a lot more in like western countries than we did before as well as just like well yeah. i've seen some stuff in like you know i know some people in dubai who are still working and you're there on set and it looks pretty normal except for the fact that everyone's you know got these masks on yeah because that's what well, even actors like, oh no obviously not the actors i this is just i know <laughs> follow some like steady cam operators so just seeing their oh, bts I see. I yeah see. that makes I sense see. yeah i suppose that's i'm sure there will be a couple of directors who try really pretentious films where their actors are wearing masks the whole time i reckon we'll see a couple mm. of them <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> but then they'll just look kind of stupid unless unless the storyline is about some sort of virus or quarantine and then it, I don't know if it worked. <laughs> just like, why is that to wear a mask? Yeah, that's going to be the biggest thing coming out of this. Every film will have like, you know, oh, this is the short film I wrote in isolation. Oh, what's it about being isolated? You're like, oh, yeah, cracking. yeah. There's going to be loads. Be there was them. even one scheme I saw online about BBC. I'm going to pay someone, or they're looking for writers to kind of write about their whole isolation process about making it into like a mm. short film kind of process, and they're going to pay, it and it's going to be like commissioned and. It's going to be on the BBC, so people are going to like show you, showing your like isolation story and kind of like all that stuff. They're already in writings right now. They're doing it. Trust me. As soon as it comes out, you're going to see loads of stuff about mm. viruses, coronaviruses, and stuff. Documentaries, loads of stuff about. The, but then uh, at the same time, yeah. we've heard. Well, I think we've heard enough about it. I don't really want to be watching it after because we've been no, through not... so much and we've witnessed or even heard or read. Why would we want to really? I mean, I get it. They're trying to obviously encourage creativity, but. Even Imagine on Netflix, like, it, Netflix it picks up your algorithm. So now they are actually recommending like things like epidemics and stuff like that, or coronavirus. Like literally, they've started to pick out films on Netflix about the virus and stuff like that. I'm thinking, wow, like it's like, I mean, I suppose mm. it's current. So loads of people are going to write about the virus or write about this uh, situation. But like you said, Paris, there's so many of them that it has to really stand mm. out to be. Yeah. So you, yeah, so you know, uh, I'll just ask a question. You know, like the cinemas. How do you mm -hmm. think it would change in terms of cinemas, like watching the films and just going cinemas in general? Um, I think I'm not really sure. I think for it could potentially be good for smaller independent cinemas, like mm -hmm. you know, like the Everyman cinemas and stuff like that, where it's kind of less people. You know, it's like a 100 person auditorium. Mm. Yeah. But actually, thinking about that, it could actually kind of work in the opposite. So these bigger auditoriums. Like, say, View will be like, okay, we're going to show films, but we're going to have half the amount of seats. So every seat. Yeah. Every so second two people seat is free. to a row, probably. Yeah, or something like that, because obviously View are going to reopen next month. Oh, is, is their it? plan. Yeah, they're saying they're going to reopen in time for a tenant. Mm. Oh, wow. Or however suppose, you the title of that film. Yeah, I suppose you could still keep social distancing with cinemas. You just have to kind of do it so that not everyone's crowded in, then yeah, it, it could still work. But mm. they, they should do they should do like a drive-in cinema as an option, like you're in your cars and you can just watch outside. Like yeah, I think there were a couple of those I saw in like the States. Some of like, obviously they had a lot of those back in the 50s. So some yeah, of them that are still kind of open are kind of wiring back into action, which I think is pretty cool. Like I think that's something yeah. that I'd love to try if I got a chance. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, um, this whole lockdown thing took everyone by surprise, obviously, clearly, it's, you know, it's affected everyone. What about you in terms of, do you have a nine to five job or do you kind of do your uh, stuff full time, you know, the filming stuff, freelancing? Uh, yeah, I'm freelance full time, but I kind of, well, I'm a bit of a warrior. So I've always kind of saved mm. up money because I think the thing being freelance is you have to kind of, I don't know, I always expect something to go wrong. So especially when things mm. aren't going wrong, I'm like, hmm, very suspicious. So luckily yeah. I kind of had enough kind of stored away that I haven't been totally ruined, thankfully. So have yeah. you um have you ever considered having a nine to five or you just thought, no, I just want to stick to being a freelancer? Yeah, I don't I've never really considered because I think cause with a lot of my corporate stuff, I kind of just aim for clients that come back. So like a lot of the brands mm -hmm. I work with, I'll shoot with, you know, like, so I've got one brand that I have dates in my calendar till like December. So oh, wow. kind of because of that, I'm quite lucky in that I have that security. So I obviously don't need to get a nine to five job, but it's just so good. For, I think good. if I, so mm. for like filmmakers that are trying to get into that corporate side of things, do you have any tips that they can, that they can use? Um, I think the best tip is just to know that the corporate clients don't actually give a shit about your video. What they care about <laughs> is you making them money. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> at the end of the day, you yeah. can make the prettiest video ever. And if it doesn't make them any money, they're not going to care. Like a lot of the biggest clients I've worked sense. for, like I've you know, shot and they've had multiple shoots in different countries. And I've seen the video quality of some of the other people and not to throw shade, but I'm like, this is kind of garbage. But mm. like at the end of the day, like a big brand doesn't care about the, Obviously, they want it to look okay, but they'd much rather you're getting the message that they're good. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if Makes you're sense. trying to sell a company and essentially a business person a video, you're not going to be like, I'm going to shoot it in 4K. It's going to look beautiful. You're going to be like, yeah, you can get in front of this many people. And with that, you can, you know, and then be like, you know, so say I was pitching a while back to a um, like car garage and I was like, you know, yeah. this video is going to cost you 500 quid, but if you know if i get you one customer for life which is going to be pretty easy you know that will pay for itself uh, but yeah it's interesting you say that about the whole um they don't give a shit about how it looks like it's about the money which makes sense i can understand that but mm. i always thought like you know they want it to look wow like you know? oh, yeah, they want it to look they do want it to look good but obviously the looking good is because they think that will draw them more customers mm. so obviously you want to convince them that you can make a good video but at the end of the day, a good video to them is a video that makes them money. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. How would you so know? Because at the time you're doing it, you wouldn't really know that this would be the one to make them money. You're kind of, it's kind of like a guess, really, I suppose. Like yeah. you can get the message across. So you, would, yeah. So it depends on the situation. Like if you're going to a client and you're being like, hey, you know, which you do a lot when you start out in corporate, you know, you start mm -hmm. and it's quite hard because you've got to be like, you know, persuade someone to let you make them a video if yeah. you're in that position that's how you want to go about it but then obviously you get to a point where people starting to kind of come to you and you're through your marketing and stuff they already know they I want see. a video I so see, then it's just yeah. understanding like what they want and how yeah, to be like i'm sense. doing this because this you know like say if you're doing like a fashion brand you want to you know look at their kind of usp and show how you can you know boost that yeah do you good. directly go to do you directly go to 
these companies and kind of just at, say at first you did in it i remember you said at first you did but now they come to you now. yeah oh. so yeah it kind of depends i think like after a while cause, you know it's just a thing of like that's the hardest part of kind of starting off as a freelancer is the first you know say like six months you'll be doing all this work and getting no money but then kind of as you build obviously the more people that know you like say most clients will who want video once will want it more it's just mm. obviously how often people do come back and you have to have build up that kind of roster of people that will eventually kind of come back I see. Okay. and then there are you know, services like there's so Mandy and there's stuff have, like that on Instagram I'm you have a, like a website where they can leave like recommendations or something like that because I'm sure that they do you you get your clients as well through recommendations as well no like people recommending you saying look he's great and yeah. also they can see your portfolio and that way you know so yeah what I do on my website is I show the kind of clients that I've worked with okay because then you know they'll see that and again like a lot of the time they want you know reliability and all this stuff so through seeing mm. that you've worked with a brand that they recognize they'll be like oh yeah they must be good and then you know hopefully the clients you work with will if they know someone that wants video be like oh this yeah. guy's good yeah that definitely makes sense but yeah um it was great speaking to you matt i mean everything you said is spot on us and i hope the listeners took some of that on board thank you yeah. so much for chatting with us today it's thank you so thank much you and yeah no worries and just for the listeners if you want to just tell people like your social media where they can find your work etc oh yeah give me one second i'll try and get my instagram handle up so i don't fuck it up yeah so my instagram yeah. is i'm matt scott or one word that's probably the best way to kind of find me and then it's got links to my website and imdb and all that fun stuff through there thank you it's a pleasure and we'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in every Sunday at 5pm you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Deezer and other major platforms thank you so much for tuning in take care stay safe thank you thanks guys